fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So how do we win? How do we actually do what we believe? How do we take on the worldviews we discussed yesterday, those seven deadly worldviews? Well, part two of that conversation, the Ten Commandments of Political Warfare, coming up next here today on the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Back here on the Glenn Beck Program, I am Steve Dace. Totters and Aaron McIntyre are here with me as well. We are the crew from the Steve Dace Show on Blaze TV, radio and podcast each weekday right after Glenn Beck, filling in for Glenn here these final two days of 2019. We got a ton of great reaction uh, to yesterday's show uh, about the seven deadly worldviews. I I probably spent the last half hour or so uh, last night before I went to bed trying to answer as many of those as we could. Uh, the most uh, frequent question I received is, hey, can I can I get a further breakdown of those in written form? And I should have mentioned this during yesterday's program. I totally forgot. Um, I wrote a book back in 2016. Glenn was very kind here to profile it on the show, which helped us sell a lot of copies, by the way. Um, it's called A Nefarious Plot. Uh, you can still order it over at Amazon.com. But a lot of those seven deadly worldviews, in fact, all of them, are broken down in greater detail. If you want to learn more about those, uh, you can get to the book. It's called A Nefarious Plot. There it is on our shelf. Thank you, Aaron. Of course, we have a radio audience of 500 stations across the country. They don't know that. And I got to remember that, all right, because we're used to doing a TV show. So, again, if you're listening to us on one of those 500 radio stations across the country, go to Amazon.com and get a copy of A Nefarious Plot if you want to learn more about those seven deadly worldviews. If you want to learn more about us, and why wouldn't you, of course, uh, blazetv.com slash dace is how you can watch our show every day uh, here on Blaze TV. You can also subscribe to our podcast. Just look for my name, Steve. That's easy to spell. Dace, not so much, though. Uh, It's D-E-A-C-E. Steve Dace, search for that on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, etc. You can also search for us on Facebook. Search our YouTube channel as well. If you want to get some highlight clips of our Blaze TV show, uh, you can listen to us live each day on Blaze Radio as well uh, from noon to 2 Eastern right after Glenn Beck. So yesterday, we, we, we spent part one looking at the landscape that we're called to engage. What are we up against from a belief system, from a worldview standpoint? Today, we're going to be more practical. How do we advance what we as conservatives actually believe? How do we conserve? Because that's what it means to be a conservative, to conserve. So how do we conserve that which has proven through the course of history to be what's best, right, true, and beautiful for the human condition east of Eden? How do we do that? And five years ago, I I wrote a book um, called Rules for Patriots, where I kind of laid out everything I had learned um, from my own time. I think what makes me a little bit more unique than a lot of people that do conservative media shows is I've actually worked and been involved in kind of the technocratic nuts and bolts side of politics. I've worked on campaigns. I've recruited candidates. I've consulted with campaigns. I've done strategy for them. And, and so I've, I've kind of got a foot in, in both sides here. You know, the big idea 
you know, uh, philosophical worldview side that we focus in on often in conservative media, but then the nuts and bolts side, you know, when, when we have candidates that represent our values and they run for office, how do they get from point A to point B? How do they, how do they run on these themes? What does that look like? And so I wanted to put together um, kind of a compilation of, of the best things I've learned over the years. And I wrote this book called Rules for Patriots that was published uh, about five years ago and was endorsed at the time by uh, who's who of people in, in conservatism. I, I don't know that you're going to find too many books that get the endorsement of Mucky Mucks at the American Family Association and Freedom Works and, and um, you know, uh, you look at uh, Donald Trump endorsed the book. Uh, at the time uh, when he was thinking of running for president, Newt Gingrich endorsed the book at the time. I mean, it, it's a pretty diverse cross section of of people and uh, involved on the on the right who took a look at the book and were willing to endorse it for their audiences. And I've done a lot of talks and meetings about the book and stuff uh, over the years. But when I when I found that, you know, I I thought this stuff was good because I've done it. And then I've seen it used against me and done by others. And when I got final confirmation that I thought we were on to something is I got, a, I got a call one day from a guy named Sam Nunberg. And it was July of 2015, so several months after the book came out. And we had just had an event here in Iowa. That's where I live. I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but I was born in, in, here in Des Moines, Iowa. And that's where I raise my family now. And so I've been, that's one of the reasons I'm so heavily involved in the technocratic side of politics is the Iowa caucuses. I've been heavily involved in that for a few cycles now. And I worked for the Ted Cruz campaign this last go around. And I got a call from a guy before I had declared for a candidate and decided which candidate I was going to support slash work for in this last cycle. Um, One of the campaigns that was interested in me was Donald Trump's. And the day before we had had this massive event carried by C-SPAN, I co-emceed it with Frank Lentz of Fox News where 13 presidential candidates were here giving their pitches, spiels uh, to a, well over a thousand activists here for the Iowa, conservative activists, activists for the Iowa caucuses. And I was, I was standing backstage um, to be essentially closed, for lack of a better description, by Trump to, to come on board. And um, I still wasn't 100% sure I could do this you know, um, but I was going to certainly listen to the a pitch of a guy of this magnitude. And Todd, you and I, that whole summer, were like, yeah, we see the Samson bull in a china shop potential, but can we really, that's a pretty big worldview leap, right? We had, yeah. how many of those conversations behind the scenes you and I had that summer as you kind of just being a sounding board and, and, and your willingness to ask, cause, because my ego wanted all in on this. Okay, but you were willing to ask a lot of the kind of the larger picture questions, kind of help me keep my ego in check. And so we did a lot of game theory with this right. and how it would look. Right? Correct. And and so I'm standing there backstage, and Trump's being uh, interviewed by Frank Luntz, and he talks about how um, that was the moment when he said that uh, when John McCain's name came up, and I'm I'm no fan of John McCain as a politician anyway. Uh, certainly appreciated his service to the country, but as a politician, um, he hated people like us. I just detested conservatives. So I, if, if, you're, if, if, if I think you're going too far in criticizing John McCain, that's probably too far. 
And when he said, you know, I, I like soldiers who weren't captured and the, and the groans in the crowd and several of the other things he said. And I'm like, I, there's no way I can, I can, at least not in a primary, when there's so many other conservative candidates whose records are proven, there's no way I can do this. And we were actually doing a live show uh, for a national right. radio network that day. And I was breaking, you were, you were hoping, helping to co-anchor the show when, when I was doing my right. MC events. So I was coming back and forth from the stage to our stage, right? And I came back and you guys were like, hey, that was fast. I'm like, I can't, it just can't happen. You guys watched what happened out there. I can't, I can't get on board with this, you know? So the next day, my wife and I are at a, going to a movie after church and I get a, I've got a voicemail. It's from a guy named Sam Nunberg, who at the time was essentially Trump's political um, operator, ran, was running Trump's political machine. And he said, hey, um, I'm, I'm, you, know, you need to see this uh, article I just ghost wrote for Trump for USA Today about his comments about McCain. And so he sent me the link and I read the link and it was titled, I Will Not Apologize, I think is what it was titled. And he just refused to accept the premise that John McCain was an unassailable figure. And, and he even went so far, he even reversed the premise and went so far, Trump did in this piece that Sam Ghost wrote for him, to claim he's done more for POWs over the years than the former POW John McCain. I'm, Amy, I, I'm, I am, Amy is reading this to me while I'm driving home from the theater, and I am just incredulous, okay, at the chutzpah, right? And I called Sam back, and I, and I thought, you know, Sam and I are still friends. And I thought this, I thought there was a chance though, this might be the last time we were ever going to talk. Cause a lot of times in politics, people are your friends when they need you or you have something they want. And then when you don't anymore, they're not, you know? And I was like, uh, bold strategy, cotton. All right. Nice knowing you. <laughs> I thought there's that, this has no chance to work. And then he stopped me dead in my trash. He goes, I'm really surprised. I just used the tactics out of your own book. When I ghost wrote this, this, you should have recognized these tactics. You should have appreciated them. It's right out of rules for patriots. So a week later, I was convinced Trump was toast as a candidate. A week later, I called uh, the guy running his Iowa campaign named Chuck Laudner. Figuring maybe him and I might figure out, you know, because I'm about to decide who I'm going to support. Maybe we'd figure out we'd support the same person. And he's like, Steve, I, I, I was about to walk away from this like everybody else. I was offended at what he said. But we are, I'm, I've never gotten more response from an audience around the country. I've got military people who are, who are sending us notes telling me, I don't even like Donald Trump. I am just so glad that finally someone said something they really think and didn't freaking apologize to the media that hates us for it after, afterwards. I didn't even like it. I didn't even agree with it. I thought it was appalling. But it's not nearly as appalling as, as the lies and fake news that the media that hates him and hates us feeds me every single day. That the only reason I think government's too big under Obama is I'm a racist. The only reason I think a, a child is better off with a father and a, and a mother is I'm a homophobe. The only reason I think the border ought to be cons- secured is I'm a xenophobe. I'll, I'll take his appalling over that any day of the week. And it stopped me dead in my tracks. And you and I had conversations about this at the time too. Sure. And thought maybe, maybe, well, I had two responses. A, there's, there's something different going on out there than we anticipated. And B, holy crap, the stuff in this book works. I mean, I thought it worked. All right. But to see it played out and tried out on such a large stage was kind of the final confirmation. And, and that's why today what I want to do is I want to share with you some of the principles that were used that day to essentially salvage Donald Trump's nascent presidential campaign when we all thought it was done. And, and how these Ten Commandments of Political Warfare, how they can be used by us 
to elevate our principles and help them win the day. We'll get to those in a moment here on the Glenn Beck Program. like we pointed out yesterday, this is the time of year we, we kind of like to take a step back and assess things, look at the bigger picture. And so when we were asked to fill in these two days here on the Glenn Beck program, uh, the crew from the Steve Day Show, myself, Totters, and Aaron McIntyre, we thought, hey, let's kind of stick with that theme. And, and let's look at it two ways. One, a big picture philosophically, and that's what we did yesterday with the seven deadly worldviews. And then the other, a big picture practically. What's our antidote to this? What's our response to this? What's, what's the battle plan here? What do we do? And I think it's very important because I mentioned yesterday, we're having this debate on the right about how much of the leftist rot gut Alinsky-esque tactics to deploy, how many lies to tell, how many schemes to plot, how many fallacies to create, because, you know, they're, they're used so well against us. Maybe we should have a, our own Jesse Smollett's, right? Um, how, many of, how much of what they do effectively against us should we do in order to beat them? How much, how much fire to fight the fire? And I reject all of that. And the, the reason doesn't mean there's never a time to fight fire with fire. It doesn't mean it was wrong to firebomb Dresden or drop the atom bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I'm not saying there's never a time. There's never a time. Even in the Old Testament, the Lord says, go in there and lay waste. You're the urban renewal program. Hit control, I'll delete, nothing, leave nothing to twitch. All right? I'm not saying there's never a time for this. But we, you, have to, you have to understand that's a last resort. Because the collateral damage of those acts is high. And you have to do the calculus from a just war standpoint that the, that the collateral damage is worth, is worth that to accomplish the goal. I don't think we're there yet. Especially when there's an opportunity to try a set of tactics that don't diminish our principles, but elevate them. And when I, when I first wrote, did a symposium on this book or a talk on this book at a group of, with a group of conservative leaders, a guy running for Congress came up to me and said, hey, are you concerned about putting this out publicly that the other guys may try to adopt these tactics? And no, I'm not. And the reason why, these tactics won't work. They won't work with, with, with a leftist viewpoint. They won't work with postmodernism. Um, they won't work with moral subjectivism and moral relativism. They won't work. These are the tactics meant to attack those constructs, not elevate them. So we're going to spend the show here today, barring any breaking news here on the final day of 2019. And let me be, you know, right away, wish Happy New Year to all of you listening around the country. We're going to spend the show today walking you through these Ten Commandments of Political Warfare. How do we do what we believe? You guys ready to go? For sure. All right, let's do it. it. Commandment number one, all right, never trust Republicans. Now, I want to define this term, Aaron. Yes. Uh, what does never mean? Never. <laughs> there, there, you know, yesterday he was so idealistic and virtuous as we were doing these highfalutin philosophical principles. For those of you who don't watch our show daily, that's actually Aaron. All right. All right. That's the, the, let me come over the top rope with a leg drop of cynicism and skepticism before you even make your point. That's our Aaron right there. Yes. It's a beautiful thing to yes. behold. Yes. All right. So never, if you look it up in the original Greek, means never. 
Never trust these people. Now, let me define what this means. A, a Republican is not a rhino. At, at this point, we could be, the, we're probably the rhinos. The conservatives are probably the rhinos. <laughs> All right. um, a rhino is the Chris Christie, liberal Republican uh, who knows what to, who, who couldn't become a Democrat in an all blue state because the, the roster's too full or they're not talented enough. So, or they're not connected enough. So they realized, you know, I can make the B team over here, the Republican team in this blue state. And, you know, I can, I can be the, you know, the big fish in a small pond over here. And they get huge power in these blue states, right? We, we've known the names of who rhinos in these blue states are over the course of our careers. A Republican is something different. A Republican is somebody who knows Mitch McConnell in Kentucky. One day, when I, the year I was launching this book at CPAC, was the day Mitch McConnell, ditch, ditch as I used to call him, was because uh, that's where he'll drive you if you trust him into a ditch. Uh, he was speaking at CPAC that day, and he comes in waving this AR-15. Yeah, I'm sure he's got a rack of those at his brownstone over there in D.C. Yeah. or not. Okay, and he probably thinks AR-15 stands for assault rifle, like the media does too. All right, the crowd goes wild. Yeah, ditch. Yeah, Mitch. Yeah, cocaine, Mitch. Yeah, yeah. See, those guys realize that I, you know, I'm, I've got to be conservative here at home, right? It, it, you know, remember when Mitt Romney was a severe conservative in the presidential primary, and then his his campaign aide uh, Eric Fenstrom said that, well, you know, that we won the nomination. It's just kind of an etch-a-sketch. Remember that? And we just kind of shake it up, and now, you know, you move to the middle. And, and now you see that, you know, Mittens Willard is far more comfortable in those middles to lefts all along. He was just lying to you before about being severely conservative. See, that's what a Republican is. The, the guy who knows, who, with the consultants, who tells him, hey, here's how you need to get elected in this state. You can't be a rhino. They won't, you have no chance. You won't win. You got to say what they want to say, rub their bellies. Okay, pat them on the heads, and then when they're not paying attention, then you get to Washington and you you hit K Street, which is where all the lobbyists live. That's literally the street in Washington where the lobbyist groups are. All right, man, you hit K Street. All right, the way the way we hit the Mekong Delta and Nam. Okay, and and you get as progressive as you want to be once you're here, and you'll get away with it if you just go back home and give them the talking points that help them own the libs. And then when you get to Washington, you can govern just like them. And no one will say a word. Do you know anybody like that? Do you know legions like that? I'm going to give you some names that are going to blow your mind when we come back here. Because they're your new conservative heroes, except they're not. We're going to give you some names that illustrate what I'm talking about. They're going to blow your mind when we come back here on the Glenn Beck program. Stay tuned. Back here on the Glenn Beck program on the final day of 2019, day two of us proving they'll let just about anybody 
filling around here when they're desperate for holiday help. We are the crew of the Steve Day Show. We are on After Glenn, noon to 2 Eastern, every day on Blaze TV radio and podcast, blazetv.com slash dace. You can also uh, look us up, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So yesterday we talked about worldview. Today we're going to talk about tactics. How do we do what we actually believe? How do we get it done? Get her done. How do we do that? Our Ten Commandments of Political Warfare, this is number one for a reason. Never trust Republicrats. Do not trust someone just because they talk a good conservative game. I believe there's a famous line from an all-time bestseller that says, faith without works is what, Todd? Uh, Dead. That would be dead. All right? Show me your works and I'll show you your faith, right? Show me your faith and I'll show you your works. It's a symbiotic relationship. In politics, you are the hills you die on, not the slogans you spout. Let me say that again. In politics, you are the hills you die on, not the slogans you spout. I could look at any unkept promise by this president in his first term, and it would come down to one thing, a trusting of Republicrats. They didn't repeal Obamacare. He outsourced that to Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. They, they, they don't believe in that stuff. They weren't going to do it. We still got soldiers standing around in Afghanistan waiting to get IED'd to death like a glorified, well-outfitted mall cop in one of the armpits of this planet for reasons only Allah knows. Has no, other than its poppy fields, it serves no strategic benefit whatsoever. Why? Boy, the Pentagon is full of those kinds of Republicrats. People love to talk America first in the jingoistic game, but in the end, when some Muslim terrorists coordinate a shooting at a Pensacola military base, the first concern is, let's make sure this doesn't impact our Saudi troop-sharing program. Priorities. Yes. In the end, you're the hills you die on, not the slogans you spout. Let me prove this to you in the most painful way possible. <laughs> All right. So this is one of our favorite games. Todd, the audience could not see your smile. So It's our spiritual gift. Yes. Um, one of our favorite games, our sister site at The Blaze is called Conservative Review. And Conservative Review's primary function is what's called a liberty score. And it's to record on a rolling average of the last 50 votes on every conceivable issue. Just to continue updating how your members of Congress are performing on conservatism. What I love about this score is it just keeps rolling over. And other than like a great group like Club for Growth is going to be focused on one slate of issues, this can this takes every issue into account. Because a conservative view, they reject, well, I'm a fiscal conservative and a social liberal. No, no. no you're not. There's no such thing. That person doesn't exist, okay? Except maybe at Cato. There's like five of those people on a floor. All right, but, but those votes don't exist. Those voters don't exist. That person really doesn't exist in mass. All right, you're either a conservative or you're not. Okay, and if you're offended by that, by all means, email me, steve at stevedace.com. I'll be happy to correct you. Okay, um, you, you cannot limit government by promoting Sodom and Gomorrah because when there's immorality, people are like, you know what? If, if I get to do whatever I want, and, and if it blows up in my face, I'm not paying for it. I'm going to make you pay for it instead. That's how we got the welfare state in the first place, folks. All right? So this liberty score 
just looks at how they actually vote on the issues that matter to you, all of them. I'm going to give you a few names here because they're, they've been in the news a lot. You see them on Fox News every night, practically. What do you what do you call them? Trademark what, Aaron? What do you call them on our conservative, daily show? Conservative. Uh, no, it's actually new conservative heroes. Yes, these are trademark. your new conservative heroes. Meaning, I I own the libs in a in a soundbite or a video clip, and now the the talking point has come down from Mount Valhalla. Um, this these are now behold your new conservative heroes. Trademark. Trademark. The name Devin Nunez has been in the news a little bit the last few years, right? Just a little bit. Yeah. I thought he did. By the way, we read his memo on our show when it came out, and almost, I can't think of something in his memo that was not proven to be true. So let's give credit where credit is due, all right? He has done some good work on debunking the Russian collusion hoax. But in the end, when, when they create hoaxes on the next Republican president you have, because that's how they roll. Okay, their names change. Sometimes it's Julie Swetnick. Sometimes it's Anita Hill. The names change. The scams remain the same, right? Fire up the Jimmy Page. The song remains the same, right? In the end, if you want to beat these people, you got to beat them with a better society, with, with the right principles. His liberty score, and he's been in Congress for 15 years. Well, a lot of you are going to be drinking tonight, so let's just go ahead and be honest with you. All right. 33%, folks. That's not even a Moses Malone. Foe, foe, foe. 33%. 33. That means almost 70% of the time, your new conservative hero, Devin Nunez, votes with the very Democrats that you believe uh, uh, that he'll be slaying tonight on your behalf on his 798th consecutive appearance on the Laura Ingram program. You just hate freedom, Steve. Indeed, yes. Lindsey Graham. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Remember he went off? He saved Brett Kavanaugh. I did the biggest travesty I've ever seen. These were my friends. These were my friends. You were supposed to do this to one of them conservative judges I don't like. Not not one of, not Carl Rove in a black robe. That's not that's not the rules of engagement around here. I'm incensed. Lindsey Graham from the deep blue state of South Carolina. I I believe you can I think in fact to get elected to the Greenville and I love Greenville. We have one of our offices there in Greenville, South Carolina. Correct me if I'm wrong if you're listening there from the home branch in Greenville this morning. I believe to get elected to the city council in Greenville, South Carolina, you must be able to recite the entire New England primer word for word in page order, I believe. That's how red South Carolina is. Right? Lindsey Gramnesty's Liberty Score 30% 30, which means 70% of the time. He votes like he represents Bernie Sanders, Vermont. Remember I told you guys yesterday, pragmatism sucks. Lindsey Graham's Liberty score is living, breathing proof. How about the newest conservative hero? Oh, yes. She faced down Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler, the Isengard and Mordor of of our Middle Earth. The two towers of progressive dominance. 
Okay. Would you like to know her liberty score? She's been in Congress for five years or four years. 24% of the time she votes with you. Elise Stefanik didn't even vote for the Trump tax cuts, guys. Like, like that is to even to be a Republican. That is the minimum threshold. You have to be willing to vote for like any tax cut, like literally any of them. Like you can't be one, like anywhere. Like even Chris Christie cuts taxes. Even the rhinos cut taxes. Because everybody knows that is the minimum threshold. The number one thing, now for, for those of us that have been Republican activists, number one thing we would know the Republican Party for is being pro-life, pro-second, right? But for the, for the, for in the, within the skull and bones society of the Republican Party, the vow you take, nomine patre, right, when, they, when, when you, when you <laughs> nice. are brought in, did you like that? I right? do. When you are brought in, I, I took a shot at you yesterday, I had to give one back this morning to my Catholic editor over here to my right. Um, and when you are a maid um, evolved blob of tissue, fetal matter in the Republican Party. The agreement is you must vote for any tax cut. It just it, it automatic. You have to, or you're out. She didn't even vote for the Trump tax cuts last year, or in 2017. She couldn't even bring herself to do the bare minimum it takes. Remember in the Man of Steel movie you love so much when you find out that the S stands for hope in their language. Yes. Like what does the magic R really stand for? Rot gut. Yes. Uh, yeah. Rancid. How about wrong? <laughs> it's, the new math. There? it's the new math. Yes. So um, Elise Stefanik, who right now, there are conservative women around the country right now saying to their daughters, be more like her. Indeed. Vote against the number one reason your economy is booming right now, the Trump tax cuts. Do that. If, dude, if you can't get a Republican to vote to cut your taxes... And that, that is the point you might as well just vote Democrat because you're going to get everything else that the Democrats want to. What was it that you pointed out regarding this, how how these Republicans run in red states versus how progressives run we'll in red states? Yeah, okay, yeah, we're going to get to that in okay. a second, too. I got to get to one more, though, because because there was a huge blow up about Doug Collins, the congressman in Georgia, who's got lots of cool quips going off on Mueller and the and the all these hoaxes we've all had to endure for the last year all right his liberty score in deep red georgia 48% remember when reagan said the person who's your 80% friend isn't your 20% enemy what about the person who's the 50% enemy 70% enemy are they a, are they a 20 or 30% friend and if you think these are isolated oh there's more We'll get to those when we come back here on the Glenn Beck program. You're listening to Glenn Beck. All right. So there's a reason we spent the entire hour on this very first commandment. All right. The rest of these are going to be able to go through a lot faster. But this first one, if you violate this first one, it, it, it doesn't matter what you do with the other nine. If you, don't, if you don't heed Cicero's warning about the enemy within the gates, all right, and, and you're up against the folks that when the bullets start flying can just reverse the jersey and start fighting against you, 
right? When the Visigoths came over the wall in Rome, they weren't met with a lot of resistance because a lot of the Roman army was, had become so watered down, it was made up of their own kinfolk and countrymen. And so when the Visigoths came over the wall, a whole bunch of Roman soldiers, man, took off the Centurion gear and said, Sves, family reunion, <laughs> let's sack this place. All right, if you align yourself with those who will betray you, there's no tactic for that. You can't overcome that. That's why I wanted to spend our opening hour on this commandment alone. And let me leave you with this thought. Lamar Alexander, 12% Liberty score. That's Tennessee. Thad Cochran, when he was alive. Mississippi, Liberty score, 24%. Deep Red, Mississippi. Orrin Hatch, Utah. Deep Red, Utah, 27%. John Hoven, North, North Dakota, 28%, another red state. Roger Wicker, the other Mississippi senator, 30%. Johnny Isaacson, when he was the senator in Georgia, 31%. Shelley Capito in West Virginia, a state Donald Trump didn't just win every county, folks. He won every freaking precinct in 2016. Her Liberty score is 32%. These are the, some of the reddest states in the union. And the people you're electing go to Washington and vote like Democrats. But then let's look at Democrats in swing states. Sherrod Brown in Ohio, 10%. Michael Bennett, Colorado, 10%. Tammy Baldwin, Wisconsin, 9%. Gary Peters and Debbie Stabenow in Michigan, 8%. Mark Warner, Virginia, 4%. Bill Nelson in Florida, the ultimate swing state, has a 2% liberty score. In other words... When Democrats get elected to national office in blue in swing states that that they could lose, they still go to Washington and vote like Nancy Pelosi. But when you elect Republicans in red states that they couldn't lose any way other than just forgetting to have their name on the ballot. They go there and vote a lot like Nancy Pelosi, too. So what do you do with this information? Forewarned is forearmed. I understand you can't make the perfect the enemy of the good. You don't have to give me those lectures. I've actually worked in the trenches. A lot of you have only just heard about on the radio. I understand all of that. But you have to understand how to use your assets appropriately. Lindsey Graham wants to be a senator for life. Leverage him. Use him. But if you don't know who Lindsey Graham really is, and you let them lie to you, you won't. You'll just let them keep backstabbing you. A lot of these people you're going to elect, particularly as the culture continues to decline, are craven opportunists. Create an environment where it's opportunistic for them to do what you think and what you say and what you want. Not the media or the swamp or the establishment or whatever we're calling District 1, the capital out there in Washington, D.C. nowadays. That's the point of this information. You leverage them instead of letting them betray you. The next nine commandments of political warfare are next here on the Glenn Beck Program.